Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person here. Jesus, thank you that you brought us here to this unique time, this unique place, God, because you want to speak to us. I pray that you do that. I pray that you speak to your children. I pray that it's not my words, but it's your words. I pray that you impart something to each and every one of us, God, that we can get a little closer to you and a little closer to people today. Bless this day. Bless every single person here in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Let me ask you something. Have you ever really needed something that you knew there was no way for you to get? Maybe, maybe it was finances, or maybe it was a position or a job, or maybe it was friendship that you really wanted or an opportunity, and you knew there was no way for you to get it outside of God. I'll never forget, I was probably 27 um, and, and was on staff at a church, and we're, let me just tell you this, most people on staff at church, despite popular belief, are not rich, okay? We're like all poor. It's kind of like magicians. Like there's one or two magicians that make a lot of money and everyone else is like poor, okay? They're like the guy doing balloon tricks at the party is getting like $8 an hour. He's not making any real money. So um, I called my dad up one day and I'm like, listen, Pop, we just had our second child. Money's tight. I'm going, Dad, like... I don't know how we're going to make it. You know, I don't know. I don't know what. There, I, I just, I've done the numbers. There's no way we're going to make it this month. And my dad, you know, hoping my dad would do what you hope your dads do and go, hey, listen, we'll take care of it. We'll help you out. He's like, listen, son, God's going to provide for you. God's teaching you a lesson. God's going to provide for you. I'm like, that's not what I wanted you to say. And he's I'm like, dad, but what if he doesn't? You know, what if it doesn't happen? He goes, son, listen to me. God's been putting checks in my mailbox for 35 years. He's going to take care of you. And then I said, what, what, what y'all know you would say too. I said, then can we switch mailboxes, please? Like, because I don't know. God must have the wrong address because I don't know why it's not happening. But if you've ever been there where maybe you've been in a position where your ends, you have what you have in your hand and you realize, God, there's no way I can do what needs to be done without you meeting it. As I was praying this week and, and believing that God was going to speak to us, he gave me this message that I call the miracle of provision. The miracle of provision. You can turn with me if you got your Bible. First Kings 17, I want to tell you this story. First Kings 17, now Elijah the Tishabite from Tishbia in, in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was a king who was trying to kill Elijah. Okay, that's the backstory. He was a prophet of God. Ahab hated him. He wanted to kill him. So as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So this is what happens. He goes, listen, you want to be mean to me? You want to try and kill me? Here's what's going to happen. It's not going to rain here until God says so. And then at some point, Elijah said, oh, shoot, I live here also. So, like, I need, God, I need you to do something because I need some water. And so the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. That's pretty impressive, I'm just saying. You're like, that's good. Like, if God all of a sudden was like, listen, I'm going to do like Harry Potter. There's going to be birds. Come bring you money. You're good. I'd be like, that's, that's pretty impressive, God. I didn't think that was going to happen. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Elijah and the widow at Zarephath, sometime later, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Okay, so we can stop there. I want to give you three rules of the miracle of provision. 
three rules of the miracle of provision. We see Elijah go. He's now at this place where God has given him resources. He's at the brook. He's got water. He's got food. Birds are feeding him. He's like, this is a pretty good setup, God. I like where I'm at. Have you ever been there where maybe you've gotten really comfortable where you're at? Where maybe everything's going good and you go, okay, this is awesome. Like this is, I've, I've tried to get here for a long time. This is a great setup. I'll never forget being in, and you all, some of you have heard me tell this story many times. Being at Church of the Highlands and being in, in these, standing in a conference, 14,000 kids and hanging out with all these people that I always wanted to be around and dreamed of doing ministry with. And, and God speaking to me and going, I, I'm going to move you from here. I want to bring you to, to build this for someone else. I want to bring you to a different place. And me going, God, you sound a lot like the devil, right? now it's just weird that you're it's weird that you speak to me like he normally speaks to me but you're tricky the devil's a deceiver so that makes sense you know it's kind of crazy Elijah's in this place and he's going God thank you you're providing for me and every day I imagine Elijah watching the brook get lower and lower he's like thank you God you got I got this water these ravens and then one day he woke up and the brook was dried up and he's like all right, God, well, uh, what are you going to do now? Because I still got to drink and I still got to eat and there's nothing left here. God speaks to him. He says, go to the widow. Let's pick it back up. Go to the widow. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. She turns around and says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Like how many of you know that's pretty depressing if, if you already at your end and like you ever have somebody ask you for money when you don't have money? Like the guy, sometimes, I mean, I remember being so broke sometimes, guys walking up to me at gas pump, and I know they're going to ask me for money that I'm just, I beat them to it. I'm like, hey, do you have $5? They're like, huh? I'm like, do you have it? Because I don't. So, I mean, maybe you have 250 We could put it together and make $5. Like I could drive you somewhere. I got a car. I just got no money. And I had this guy, this is a true story, and this is my fault. I need to admit it. There's this guy in India, okay? Oh, God, he's probably going to listen to this. There's this guy in India who is stalking me. All right, I promise. If I go missing, it's this Indian guy. And he, is, he stalks me. He messages me on Facebook, Instagram, email. He just like always, every, nonstop, every day messages me. And he asked me for just, he's like, man, I just, our church needs $5,000. I'm like, brought out $5,000 to give you. He's like, okay, well, then I'll take a phone or a laptop. I'm like, you'll take a phone? What are we negotiating? Like, I don't know. What, what is this? I don't know if this is how it works in India or, but every time he messages me, my friends are like, you need to message him and be like, hey, bro, can we have $5,000? Like, do you have it? Like, so it's bad when you go to somebody and you're like, can I get a little? And they're like, nope, what I got left, we're about to eat and die. And you're like, well, you, okay, that's not good either. So, so he, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make me something for your, and then make something for yourself and your son. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I love this because I think there's so much in here, and we're going to break down just a little bit of it. But I believe for God to first provide to us, the first thing that we've got to do to see the provision of the Lord is we got to let God in. we got to let God in. And some of you, maybe you go, that's easy, Christian. You know, I'm a Christian, and, and so, yes, I've let God into my life. But as I wrote this down, I wasn't really speaking to people who are far from the Lord, although maybe that's you, and that's awesome, and you do need to let God in. 
But as I wrote this, I felt like God spoke to me and said, what area of your life are maybe you not letting me into? That you've given me, you've given me your life. Maybe, maybe, I got, maybe I'm in there. Maybe I got 90% of you. But what area of you are you holding back from me? What area of you are you scared maybe to let me in? Or are you worried about what I'm going to change if you let me in? Or what I'm going to ask for if you let me in? Or, and so to protect ourselves, just like this widow, she's going, listen, I got a little, but like I don't, if I let you in, that means we die. You ever been there where you're going, God, I mean, I got this little, pli- this little time for myself. I got this little place for me. I got this little bit for me. I've got these little relationships for me, God. But if I let these in, what's going to happen to me? And this widow who goes, listen, God, I, I got this, but if I give it to you, that means I die. And I think what God is really looking for in all of this is that when we give God all of ourselves, when we die to ourselves, I love this because what she's saying is what I think God is asking of us. When we die to ourselves and we live in Christ, we're able to do far more than we could have ever done alone. And so she goes, listen, I've got this little bit, but I don't know. And I just think, imagine how different the story would be if the widow goes, no, nah, listen, you're on your own, Elijah. Like me and my son, we're going, we're dying. We got these sticks, we got a little flour, a little oil. We're dying today, so you're on your own. That I think, what difference would it have been in her life, and her son's life, and their future generation's life? And Elijah goes, no, no, listen, I promise, go make it for me. And, and I just think the trust, we read these stories sometimes, and it's very easy for us to know what's going to happen. And so we just like, you know, read ahead. And we're like, oh, yeah, she made it, and then she had a lot. But can you put yourself in her position and imagine going into the house and you know I've got a little bit for me and my son and this is it. This is all we got. And this man that I don't know is now asking for it and telling me God's going to provide if I give this to him. And, and I think maybe that she had a tough time making those, that bread going, God, I don't know. You, I mean, how do I know this guy isn't tricking me? How do I know you're really going to provide? How do I know? I mean, this is crazy. I think any of us in our right mind, if we were in that position, would not just be like, oh, yeah, okay, here you go. All of us would, be, would have a problem giving what he was asking. And so we see her making the bread, and I can just imagine the doubt going on in her mind. God, how can I let, how can I let this happen? How can I give? I'm, I'm not only sacrificing mine, but I'm sacrificing for my children. I'm not only sacrificing what I could have, but what my son could have. I can just imagine putting myself in this story and watching my kid. I have three children that I love very much and watching going, I have one meal left for them and I'm about to give this one meal away. And thinking of the thoughts that would go through my mind, but realizing also that if I don't let God in, it doesn't just cost him, it costs me. That if I don't give in to what God is asking of me, it doesn't cost God, it costs me. God was going to provide for Elijah. The beauty of when God chooses to provide for you is that we get to be a part of God's story. God is going to be okay. He's looking to take care of us and bring us into his story. But it doesn't happen unless we let God in. What area of your life maybe do you need more of him and less of you? You've heard me talk about in the morning, I sit on my bed and I kind of go through the same routine. And and one of the things that I say almost every day is, God, let there be more of you and less of me. Let there be more of you, Jesus, and less of me today. More of you in my thoughts and less of me. More of you in my finances and less of me. More of you in my friendships and less of me. More of you in my marriage and less of me. God, let there be more of you in everything that I do and less of me. Because I know that if I can give all that I am to God, that God will provide for me when I need. What area? Yeah, go ahead. You can clap. What area is God asking for of you? What area in the quiet time when you're alone that you go, you know, I've given it all to God, and we all have them, I have them. 
Like I say all the time, I'm no different because I'm up here, okay? I'm a normal person too. This is just what God called me to do. I've got the areas that God speaks to me. And he goes, what about this area? And I go, God, like, God, like that area? Like, you sure you want that? Like, really? We've all got the areas that God wants to be led into. We got to let God in. Number two, I love this. First Kings 17, 12. 1 Kings 17, 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may die, die, that we may eat it and die. And God spoke to me and he said, what's in your house? Number two, what's in your house that you can bring to God? What is in your house and in your hand that God is looking for? Because it's very easy to look and go, God, I don't have anything. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything that you want, God. I don't even know what you could want from me. But what, I love that all she did to be written into eternity, all she did to be written into the greatest book that ever existed was just bring God what little bit she had. God didn't ask her to serve him all his life. God didn't ask her to sacrifice herself or her son for him. God just said, hey, just bring me what little you got in your house and let's see what happens. And I think God does the same thing to us that he comes to us and he goes, listen, if you'll just give me what little bit you have, I will make it far, far greater. And I love this. There's, there's a whole, this is a whole other message, but this message that I call the God equation. And here's the God equation. You give God what you have. God takes it and does what only God can do. And then we get to be a part of the greatest story ever written. Each of us, each of us have an opportunity to be a part of the greatest story ever written. God comes to us and he says, hey, what are you going to bring me that's in your house? Maybe it's your talents. Maybe God goes, listen, you got a talent. So we need people that sing. We need people that play instruments. We need people that move things in the morning. We need maybe, maybe God wants you to jump on the dream team. Maybe God goes, listen, how about you just get in a small group because someone needs your story. Someone needs the story that you have. It's in your pain that you can minister to other people. It's in your pain that you're able to do far more than you could ever do before your pain. And, and, and a lot of you heard my dad tell this story. I, just so you know, I don't really ever speak about it. I'm only talking about it because he talked about it. So he kind of broke my rule. But I had a brother that passed away three years ago. He was 20 years old in a motorcycle accident. And um, in that moment, I remember thinking, God, this is how... I know that you're going to use this. I just, you know, in the moments of tragedy, you don't understand how. You don't know what that looks like. It doesn't make sense when you're in the storm. And, I, and, and now, three years down the road, there's been two or three people that I've been the first person by their side when they've lost their sibling. Five people. I'm, I'm remembering as they come to mind. Five people. One of them that I was with him when he got the call that his brother had died, literally in the car with him as his brother died on the phone with us. Crazy. And I remember in that moment thinking, God, only you could have foreseen this coming. Only you would have known that in a moment of need, you needed my pain to give to somebody else. You needed me to stand next to somebody else's side and walk them through a valley that I had already been through. God knows that maybe what little you have, maybe it's your talents, maybe it's your pain, maybe it's your resources, maybe it's your relationships. Whatever it is that you have, God goes, I'm able to take that and turn it into far more than you could ever imagine. I have a use for everything in your house. What little we can bring God God, I can bring you a little oil. I can bring you a little flour. I mean, this isn't anything. And God goes, your little with me becomes a lot. I love the story of the guy with the fish and the loaves because this little kid going home, you know, he's got his lunch. And again, I kind of get frustrated with myself sometimes because we read these Bible stories like we know the ending. And it's cool when you know the ending because you, you don't have to go through the ups and downs. But it'd be different if it was you. It'd be different if you walked in here and this whole place was full and you had one Lunchable. 
And somebody was like, can we borrow your Lunchable? And you're like, I just got a Lunchable. How are you going to feed all these people? They're like, just give us the Lunchable. You're like, it's pizza. It's not even a good Lunchable. Like, I don't, you got, I don't got one sauce packet. You got the Butterfingers in there. That's not good. Like, I don't know, which one do you want? Like, and, and we got one Capri Sun, one straw. Okay, this isn't sanitary. Everybody's drinking from this? I don't know if this is. And somebody goes, no, 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 give it to us. And brought it up here and said, listen, we got one Lunchable and prayed over it. And, and everyone began to eat from the Lunchable. And, and they kept passing out bread and kept putting on tomato sauce and kept giving people Butterfingers. And 643 people later, they still had your Lunchable plus left over. You would be like, this is pretty, this guy is a good magician. This is pretty impressive. Like, this is the story that happens. This kid comes and Jesus goes, just give me what little you got. And the kid just goes, I got like three fish. Like, I don't even have, there's 5,000 people here. I got three fish. And the God equation takes place, which is we bring Jesus our little. He does what only he can do, and, and we get written into eternity. Listen, what little do you have that God's waiting to use in his story? What little is he giving you in your house that maybe you go, I can give this to God. God, I don't know what you're going to do with it. I don't know how. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe it costs me something. Maybe it's hard to give up. Maybe it's an area I don't want to give, God. But, but here it is, and if you can do anything with it. And God goes, that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone to figure it out. Listen, I think a lot of times, especially as men, we want to figure it out. Okay, God, but listen, how are you going to do this? Okay, I got this, and if I do this, and if I divide this, you know, come on, man. We've all been there where you get, the bills are coming in, and you start going, okay, I got this. If I do this, if I sell this child, or maybe a kidney. I heard I can get 60000 for a kidney. Maybe that was, you start doing the math in your mind and going, okay, if I can make this happen, then maybe we can fit. And God goes, I'm not worried about any of that. You just give me what little you got and let me figure it out. Let me take care of you because God delights in taking care of you. And I think sometimes, yes, listen, clap for God delights in taking care of you. Because I think there's a myth in the church at times that God's upset with you, that God's mad at you, that God's waiting to see if you could do enough good things before he wants to take care of you. Before he can give you provision, you got to perform for him. You know, like, okay, I got your provision, but, like, let's see how you do this week. Because if you do good this week, then, like, for sure you get a bonus. Like, if you do bad this week, no bonus. You're, you're going to be short on all your bills. Like, and that's not the God that we serve. The God we serve is a God of more than enough. The God we serve is a God who loves providing for you. And that knows every intimate detail of your heart, your worries, your cares, and your anxieties. And he's just waiting to work them out. Listen, sometimes just because we can't see what God's doing doesn't mean that he's not working on your behalf. And as the old black preacher once said, God sometimes is late, but he's always right on time. And listen, it might seem late to you. It might seem, uh, it, you might go, God, I needed it a week ago. But God goes, I know exactly when you need it. And I know how to give it to you when it's going to glorify me the most. And if you will give me your little and trust me and let me into your house, give me what you have, I will delight in blessing you and providing for you. God can do a lot with our little. I love this because flour actually in the Bible, as I was studying this, for poor people, you know, if you were um, Old Testament, they would make sacrifices to atone for their sins before Jesus came. So you have people would bring a cow, they bring a goat. Depending on how wealthy you were would be your sacrifice that you would bring. So sometimes people would bring a cow, sometimes they bring a goat. Some poor people would bring pigeons. Really, really, really poor people would bring flour. It was just like a grain offering, like a little bit of flour. This is all I have. This is my offering. And I love this because in this moment, she knew what she was doing in keeping with tradition. She was giving God her flower that would have been an offering anyways. 
And what I want to remind you of is that all of the things that God has given you, all of the gifts that God has given you, all of the talents that God has given you, the relationships he's given you, the opportunities he's given you, all of those are offerings to God at the end of the day. All of those go back to Jesus who gave them to us and was responsible for them. And none of us apart from him could do anything. And so, God, if you asked me for this, listen, it was yours in the first place. I just want to bless you. I want to do whatever I got to do, God, to give you the most credit. And when I give you my little and you do a lot, then I end up looking good and you end up looking great. Not because I'm good, but because you're awesome, God. When we position ourselves in the will of God like that, it allows God to bring us provision. I love that this woman had to be at the right place. She had to be outside the city getting sticks for her son. Take yourself through her journey. She's going to provide for her last meal. Imagine the emotional roller coaster that that is. You've raised your child. You've cared for them. You've, my wife's nursing our third baby right now. Nurse that baby up all night. Burp the baby. The baby won't burp. You burp the baby. I don't want to burp the baby. You burp the baby. Change diapers. Clean the baby. The baby's crying. All of the care that goes into a child that you will never know until you have a child, kids. So be thankful for your parents, okay? And, and all of the care that goes into it. And now... That the, the, you go, God, this kid now 10, 11, 12, and now I'm about to prepare our last meal so that we can die together. Parents, only you know what that would feel like. Only you know the torment of what that moment would seem like. I don't know if you've ever been like me before, going to the grocery store going, this is the I, got like, I got $3. We can get some cornbread. We can get some chili. We can get one Lunchable. God, you can do a lot with one Lunchable, Pastor Christian said. Like, this is... Getting, you know, getting and going, okay, God, this is on you. Like, this is the torment of a parent providing their last meal for their child. And out there, and all of a sudden, because she's positioned herself in this place, Elijah comes up and goes, hey, um, do you have any food? And I imagine she had to be laughing in that moment. Like, I'm out here preparing my last meal to die, and you want food. Like, this is only this would happen to me. I'm about to make my kids last minute. We're going to die together. And then this happens. Like, you ever feel like it goes from bad to worse in the moment? Where the worst comes when you think it can't get any worse. I'm preparing my meal for me and my child to die. And now there's another need of me. Where you feel pulled in so many directions and you don't know how God is ever going to do what he told you he'd do. Or how he'll ever provide for you. And it's in this moment of what she appears is going worse. That God goes, listen, you've positioned yourself in the right place. And when we position ourselves in the right place, God's able to move us and give us the provision that he needs. Position will bring God's provision. Number three, do not fear. I love this. First Kings 17.3. First Kings 17.3. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. I love this. She's looking at him going, listen, don't be, don't be afraid. And I, I, again, the moment for this woman of don't be afraid. You just rolled up on my last 12 hours of life. You just came in at the end of my story and you're going to tell me, don't be afraid, Elijah. God, you don't know. You, you, you just came in, God, at the end of my marriage. You just came in at the end of my resources, God. You just came in at the end of my opportunities. I just got fired from my job, God. My, my, my spouse just walked out on me. My best friend just abandoned me. My, God, you, don't, what are, you just walked in on the end of my story. What do you mean don't be afraid? 
And God goes, listen, don't be afraid. Go and do what I've asked you to do. Listen, God hasn't called us to live a life of fear. God isn't a God of fear. He's a God of peace, a God of love, a God of a sound mind. And when we live in fear, we begin to project things on ourselves that God never intended for us. We begin to think through. You ever think through something before it happens and it's worse than when it happens? You begin to think through, God, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fired. And my boss called me in for a meeting, and they said that it's over. They said they were mad, and I think my performance on the last test was bad. And, now, and you go in, and they're like, you've been doing a great job. I'm going to give you a raise. But it doesn't matter. In your heart, you already got fired. You're already looking for other jobs. You already, like, told your family, you'll move, put a sign in the yard. Like, this is, I'll never forget being 16 years old, getting called into the principal's office, okay? Now, I went to a really strict Christian school where they could still spank you, like up until I was like 17, eight, like they, I mean, until my, I was a senior, okay? And uh, my junior year, I get called into the principal's office for something I didn't even do. Let's just be clear on that, all right? For anyone listening, Coach Vice, I didn't do it. And um, he's like, listen, you're gonna, get, you're gonna have to get paddled tomorrow. I'm like, get paddled? I'm a grown man. Like, how am I gonna get paddled? Like, and Coach Vice was this mountain of a man. He was huge. Like, he was just like this angry veins and just massive. Like, and um, he had two paddles in his office. One of them was a sawed-in-half baseball bat, okay? And one of them was like a big waffle bat. Like, I don't know, it was, it was huge. And, and, and everyone knew this. So I went home that night having to sleep on. I'm getting paddled the next day, okay? So I do what all of us do if you're, if you're smart. You know, I put on like 14 pair of boxers, all right? And I put on all these boxers. I mean, just like, I, every, it's clear that I've got something underneath my pants. I've got padding. And I'm in first hour, and they come in. Yeah, can we get Christian? I'm like, Christian, Christian. You know, like hoping somebody else would stand up. Just, I don't know if that guy's here today. I don't, I don't know. And no, Oh, me. All right. Okay. And, you know, I waddle into the principal's office because I've got all these gym shorts on and underwear and Coach Vice, who had known me since I was a kid, gets in there. He goes, Christian, you know I don't want to have to do this. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> Trying to be brave because you don't, you don't want people to find out that you cried in the principal's office. And I know, I know, you don't want to do this. I'm good. And he's like, all right, bend over. Actually, he asked me, which paddle? He picks up both these paddles. I'm like, this is horrible. It's going from bad to worse. Which paddle? And my brother, who was three years older than me, he got spanked his senior year. So I'm like, which paddle did he get? He's like, this one. I'm like, I'll take the family paddle then. And um, bent over, and I'm telling you, this man is huge. I can't underestimate how big this man is and how scary he is. And I see him cocked back, and I'm like, this is it. This is the this story of Christian Aranza ends right here. Like, this is it. And he comes in so hot and, like, stops right before. And when I tell you he barely hit me, like, he barely hit me. And, like, I was just standing there, like, and he's like, all right. And I was like, all right, all right. Oh, God, all right. I mean, I was so, and he goes like, listen, could have been a lot worse. I love you. Get out of here. And I remember walking out of there thinking, I had built this thing up in my mind so huge. I thought I was going to die. I'd already made doctor's appointments. I think my hip's out. I've been walking funny. I mean, I've got, now I'm, it's first period. I got 12 pairs of underwear on. I got to find something to do with 12 pairs of underwear all day. Like, I was so terrified in my mind of what was coming that I wasn't even expecting the love and grace of God. And sometimes we can be so terrified in our mind of what's coming, so fearful of what we think is going to happen, so fearful of the situation that you're not even expecting the love and grace that God is going to bring to you. As I close, Manuel, you can come up. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I love this because I think this is the heart of God. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a word for someone today. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I read this the first time, I thought, God, why you tell us to rejoice at the beginning? Like, if I'm anxious, and if I'm troubled, and if I'm worried, I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do is rejoice. Like, when you're in that moment, and we've all been there, the last thing you'll do is be like, thank you, God, I can't pay my bills this month. Like, this is awesome. Like, God, my, my wife just left me. Thank you, Jesus. This is, some of you may be thanking Jesus about that. I don't know, but thank you, God. Like, this is, this is great, Jesus. This is what I was looking for. You're just awesome, God. I'm so grateful and wonderful that, that this stuff's happening to me, and thank you. Nobody wants to do that. But I, I realized why in reading this. The town that the widow lived in is called Zarephath, as we read earlier. And I read that, I thought, I wonder what that word means. Because all these different towns have different names and different meanings. And in Hebrew, they have a, a meaning for everything. And so I go and I look it up. And what the town that she lived in meant was ambush of the mouth. And I thought, that's such a weird thing, ambush of the mouth. As I wrote it down, God spoke to me and said, many times people ambush their provision that I want to bring them with their mouth. The reason I tell you to rejoice in it is so that when it happens, you look great because you believed in God. You, look, you, knew, you didn't know how it was going to happen. You just knew that it was going to happen. God, I don't know how we're going to make it. I just know we're going to make it because I know what you spoke to me. God, I don't know where it's going to come from. I just know that it's going to come from because you said it would happen. God, I don't know how the, the marriage is going to be restored. I don't know how the healing is going to come. I don't know where the finances are going to come from. But God, you said it was going to happen. And then guess what? When it happens, people look at you and go, God, how do you trust God so much? And all you're doing is doing what he asked of you, is rejoicing in him, not ambushing yourself, not putting yourself in a position where you got to dig yourself out of an emotional hole on top of whatever the hole you were in was. God is looking to bless us. And when we rejoice and when we bless him and when we don't ambush ourselves, it puts us in a perfect spot for him to bless us. Matthew 6, I love this. I love this. Every time... I'll tell you this, every time that me and Alex ever get in a tight spot, which, I mean, as you know, planning a church, people go, what's it like planning a church? I'm like, it's hard, it's poor, it's not fun, it's a grind. And everybody, he's laughing back here because he knows it's true. Like, I'm, I, I need to be messaging the Indian guys going like, hey, can you send us five grand? Do you have an extra? Like, what is it? And, and um, every time we get in a spot now, I've been doing this since we were married. Alex would go, how are we going to, how is this going to happen? How are we going to, you know, how is this, how are we going to make up this? Or what is this going to happen? Or what People always ask me, like, how does the church run? I'm like, the church runs off of whatever comes in. So whatever comes in gets to the building and goes to everything else. And then like, sometimes we get a check if it's left over. And then sometimes I call my dad and I'm like, please send us cornbread and like chili. But um, every time without fail, I'll take her hand and I'll say, Alex, listen to me. And I'll quote this verse to her. You can ask her. She's not in here. She's working kids today. You can ask her when, when you pick up your kids. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let me ask you a question. Are you of not much more value than they? Are you of not much more value than the birds of the air or the flowers of the field? And we've got to sometimes remind ourselves that if God is faithful to care for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, that he is faithful to care for you and for me. I encourage you today, whatever area it is that you need the provision of God, I think sometimes people, when they hear that, they think finances. But any of you who've ever been in an area where you need the provision of God relationally know that it's far more of a drain than it is when it's finances. Any of you that are in a marriage that needs the provision of God, that you're going, God, I don't know how we're going to make this thing work. I don't know what this looks like, God. I don't know why you put me with this person. Why would you do this to me, God? And in those moments, we realize that the provision of God is just as needed there as it is anywhere else. Maybe it's a healing, or maybe it's it's friendships, or a job opportunity. I want you to know that God hears you. I want you to know that he's faithful. Let God into those areas. Give him your worry. Give him your anxiousness. Give him your doubt. Give him your concern. It doesn't throw God off. He loves when we give him those things. Let him in. Give God what's in your house. Offer God. God, I'm going to position myself that anything you want from me is yours, Jesus. You speak it to me. Anything you want from me is yours. And then lastly, I encourage you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have a God that loves you, that cares about you, that is for you, that is not against you, that is working things out for the good of those that love you. When we give him those prayers and when we trust in him, he delights in meeting our needs. He delights in fulfilling our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you for being a God who meets every need. A God who fulfills our hearts. A God who, whether it's in our relationships or our finances or our job opportunities or our housing or our clothing, God, that you are a God who provides, that you long to provide. You're jealous over providing for us, God. And we're so thankful, Jesus, that you would love us enough, that you would care about us more than the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, and that your heart would be to tend to us, to tend to every need that we have, now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today that, that you're going, Christian, I've never known a relationship with God like that. The God that you talk about like that, that's not a God that I've experienced. Maybe I've known religion or I've known church, but I've never known a relationship with a God that, was, that loved me and cared for me like what you're saying. But I want to know that God. I want to know that relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed is between you and Jesus. But if that's you and you say, Christian, that's me, but today I want to begin that relationship. I want to take that step into knowing him. Would you raise your hand for me? 
Amen. Amen. You put your hands down and we're going to pray this together. And you can say it always, tell people, you can say it out loud, you can say it under your breath, you can say it in your heart. This is between you and Jesus, as long as you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming to earth and dying a death I deserved, paying for my sins, and then raising from the dead to give me life, to give me freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you to love you, to serve you, to let you in, God, to every area of my life. Now, there's those of you here that today, maybe that's you, you need the provision of God that you need the provision of God, that you've been believing God for something. Maybe it's a child, or maybe it's finances, or maybe it's an opportunity, or maybe it's relationships or friendships or whatever it is that you're believing God for. And if that's you, would you just open your hands? I want to bless you, and I want to pray that God's going to bring that provision into you today. Dear Lord God, I pray for every single person here. God, I ask that you would bring provision to them. I ask that you would bless them, God. We pray that your peace that passes all understanding would be upon them, that they wouldn't be anxious, they wouldn't be fearful, they wouldn't be scared, they wouldn't fret, God, that your hand is with them, that you go before them. You know every need they have before they speak it. And that, God, as we rejoice and as we bless you, you're going to begin to meet those needs in our hearts like only a father can. Thank you, God, for meeting those needs. I just pray blessing and provision upon every single person here. May this be the best season of their life. In this summer season where it can seem dry and slow, God, let there be provision in their life. Let this be a fruitful season for them. And let harvest come into their lives, I pray. Now, God, I just bless every single person. Thank you for them. Thank you that, that we get to be here. Thank you that we get to worship, God. We get to join together. and We get to be a part of what you're doing at Valley Rise Church. Bless every single person here in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. You know there's so many great churches in the area, and so we're grateful that you came out and hung out with us today. Listen, if you came prepared to give today, we got three um, ways that you can worship with your giving here at Valley Rice Church. You can give in an offering envelope. You can give online, which I know a lot of people do, valleyrisechurch.com, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. And like I say every week, and I say it every week because I want you all to know my heart, I will never ask you for money. We say the same thing every week. The Bible says each man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. And so I always ask you, you ask God, and whatever he tells you to do, that's what we're good with. So if you'll pray, if you'll bow your head, we'll pray over this and we'll let you go. Dear God, thank you so much for every gift and every giver, God. Thank you that you were building this house. Thank you that, God, apart from you, none of us can do it. We're so grateful for your provision. We're so grateful for the hands that happen that it takes to build this place, God. That they're building and investing into a legacy far greater than any of us can imagine. Thanks for letting us be a part of your story, God. Thanks for letting us invest in your kingdom. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.